Okay. One more time. Third time to start, guys, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, welcome to the Losing Track Podcast, episode 17. I'm your co-host, Brandon Boozer, along with my other co-host, Byron Nelson. Chase. Um, um, 17 again, huh? That's yeah, a movie we should have talked about if we were smart. Um, yeah. 17 very, early on, 30. You know, you know uh, Zach Efron. Um, I Zach think Alfred maybe, maybe uh, Paul Rudd might be in it. Paul Ryan. Uh, and then yeah, Paul Ryan definitely in it. Um and then Matthew Perry, maybe. Who knows? But thank you. Number 17. Never thought I'd get here until hmm, about like an hour ago when I knew we were gonna be recording episode 17. That's when I really knew it was gonna happen for me. And I just want to say thank you to the fans. Thank you to my uh my manager. Thank you to everyone on my team, and thank you to today's guest. Um, yeah, uh, today's guest, uh, you know him, Tommy Peacock, basketball band and track. <laughs> How you doing, Tommy? Well, I'm doing great. Oh my god! <laughs> Incredible. I was a much better uh, tenor sax player than I was uh, a runner. <laughs> Holy shit! And, and you don't and do you still run track uh no no i don't no okay 80 fucking years old what a question well, man oh man well hey it, it, you know that you know that voice that's uh the founder of the losing track podcast um musician plumber songwriter uh my muse my flame uh it's it's chase it's at chasek also known as at chasek 92 also known as Kilpa, um, also known as um, Chingy, 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 Chingy Bones, also known as Chase the Ruthless. Uh, let's see here, and also known as uh, uh, what was your email, Chase? Uh, Cunt Punisher six 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 at uh, uwp.edu. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just because that's how my last name worked out in their email system. They generated <laughs> my last name. I tried to change it, but they wouldn't let me. Um, <laughs> legally, they can't let you change it. Everyone only gets one yeah, email. It's playing favorites at that point. It's internet law. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me back. I just I figured I had to come back on my own podcast and check out how you guys are doing. I'm getting some complaints from the fans. I got to keep you guys in line. So oh, here. no. Here to make sure this episode goes well. The uh, guys upstairs are breathing down my neck, making sure we get quality content out. So Wait, Chase, there's... There's fans of this? Oh, thousands. Oh, yeah, I was going to no. say, this is uh, good news, actually. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh, well, man. I'm glad. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here to guide us through um, today's feature. It's, it, should be, it should be fun. It, sh- it, should, be, it should be good. Um, but Chase, before we get into that, I want to see where you're at on your Sopranos watch. Uh, season four, episode six. I think I slowed down it during season four because I was, I know there's only six seasons, so I was like, I got to make it last a little bit longer. So I, that's I got true. I got through season the first three seasons really fast, and I was like, I kind of want to take a. I'm enjoying this too much. I don't want to be like it's over and then be sad. No, the the good news is Chase that um, season six of The Sopranos is kind of like two seasons. So is it? Mm-hmm. Essentially, essentially, yeah. fuck. 
So you kind of get an extra one in there, but you're on season. Okay, let's see. You're on season four, episode six. So you're on Everybody Hurts. I yeah, that's so. a good episode. That's that. Oh, wait, that did ep- you watch that, that one, or did you did you not? I'm gonna it? look it up because I don't really know. This episode is directed by Steve Buscemi and written by Michael Imperioli. This episode is very arty heavy. Ugh, arty. Oh yeah, arty Bucco. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with uh, I don't want to reveal major plot points, but is this the is this the episode with the uh, that alcohol? Yes. Yeah, I watched that. John Philippe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, John Philippe. And uh, Artie Bucco is doing his uh, taxi driver scene in front of the mirror. He's like, <laughs> yes. He's like, guess uh, could say, uh, message machine broken. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. That is cool. Artie's a cool character. Oh, he's I'm great because he's I'm just farther Artie. Oh, you are, you're further? Yeah, I just watched episode eight. Artie's like a Artie's kind of like a um a, a beta and and a cuck and an alpha just all all rolled into one. I think he gets that from the earrings that he gets. Fuck, he looks so cool when he has those. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, who wouldn't want to just rail that guy? Christopher's uh, fiance wouldn't. <laughs> I forgot her name. Off the top of my head, Adriana. Uh, yeah, Adriana. when yeah when eight is like, uh, but she does not clearly does not want him. <laughs> oh damn! That's wait, like so, uh, that's every woman he interacts with on the show. Yeah, including Pretty his much. wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're on season four, episode eight. So the episode when Polly moves his mom. Yes. Okay. Great episode. Oh, Nucci. That's her name. They gotta be. They gotta be nice to her. Okay. The the ladies gotta get along. They do. It's it's really important to the whole plot of the show and every episode. The women have to get along. If there's one thing the Sopranos learn me is that people got to get along. If there's one thing the Sopranos taught me, it's conflict resolution. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, the proper way to go about solving problems in both your social and work life. Um, I would say the Sopranos is the way I intend to live my life. Uh, and the special emphasis on you know life at home. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. You know, uh, you know family relationships. Uh, family relationships. Uh, I'm really close to my uncle. My uncle Jew. All of a sudden. Whoa. <laughs> well, you know what you know what they used to say: if uh, if one family doesn't kill you, the other one will. Is that a Sopranos tagline? Uh, yeah, that's like the tagline from the first season, I think. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's a good one. Real boss um, shit. Yeah, my cat is annoying me. Um, Rude, not possible. Oh, it's possible. It's so possible. All right, uh, what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about Chase's favorite movie today. My favorite about- documentary. Uh, Finding Francis. Finding Francis. It was the, the first movie I, I ever gave five stars to on Letterboxd. Wow. Link in description. <laughs> <laughs> Just to letterboxd.com. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, the final episode of Nathan for You, we're not getting any more of that, right? That's uh, That was like four right. years ago at this point. This came out in 2017. Right. That's, 
Correct, yes. Yeah, yeah this was kind of the... Um, it wasn't announced as the series finale, but, you know, season four going in, they had the big uh, Nathan for US celebration. Um, they aired like two episodes weekly, all leading up to this. And then, you know, not to give any spoilers or any, well, obviously we're going to spoil the whole thing, but not to jump to the end of this, but like in the final scene of this, you can kind of, you can kind of tell just from um, what's being said and what Nathan is uh, implying that he's kind of moving past this part of his life um, in a real beautiful way with yes. a real beautiful woman. His girlfriend. Yeah. His girlfriend. Yeah. His 100% real girlfriend. Um, so I, I haven't seen this um, until this week. I watched it for the first time. And wow. to be so, in your shoes. Yeah, yeah, how I know, to, right? To live in a world where the last like four years of my life weren't just me focusing and thinking about everything that Bill Heath does in this. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's incredible. Well, so the first time I watched it, I was like I was just taking it in. It was very funny. I enjoyed it. And I watched it a second time today and I was like, uh, this is like a profound meditation on documentary. Uh <laughs> it is it really is <laughs> like what it's about um what what is it about byron it, it's it's well i mean on a you know on a surface level this is about um a bill a professional bill gates impersonator um bill heath famous actor from la la land and i don't mean the movie i mean from the city hollywood usa um, and you can tell by going to his IMDb just all the work he's done because it definitely doesn't just say Nathan for you, <laughs> Finding Francis, and Nathan for you, The Web. Um, trying to find his long-lost love of uh, Francis, uh, uh, his his ex-lover from high school. Um, but really, we, we get down to the nitty-gritty. This is more so about, I think, um, telev- not just, you know, Nathan for you was a TV show. It's not not just television, but just media in general and um, filmmaking in general. What is what is worth documenting, uh, and what is you know what 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 not not what is the point, but um, at what point do you are, are you filming someone to entertain, and at what point are you are you just um, filming to film because it's something you've been doing and you're kind of stuck in a cycle here you're not looking at the larger picture not looking at your life outside of it at least that's what i think um that's how i feel about this very very good uh point there i like that episode's over yeah do we need anything else um yeah um like uh, Werner Herzog says about documentary filmmaking, you should never be the fly on the wall. You should be the hornet that stings. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, yes. Um, which is a, it's a, it's a, uh, a different take to documentary filmmaking that I think most documentarians um, uh, like. And Werner Herzog gets a lot of uh, crap for thinking that way. And, um, kind of altering his documentaries, but um, I think I think you really do get that here, where it's just like um, you kind of have a filmmaker just kind of 
you know, poking things into different directions. And, um, you know, he's not, he's not just allowing things to happen. Like he's actually right. pushing things in a certain way, but it still has that documentary feel. But at the same time, this is uh, one of those movies where I like, I, I don't, you don't know what's real and what's not, um, what's actually true and what's, what's, uh, you know, put on for the sake of the show. One thing I've always, I'm a huge fan of Nathan for you as a whole. So I'm trying to speak just about the Finding Francis movie documentary. But obviously I'm going to reference the show at times. But when trying to describe the show to people, I always find it hard. But one thing I always kind of say is that he just takes these people he finds and he just kind of, he just kind of frames, puts, you know, kind of frames them and puts them in situations to get them to act the, the way he can tell they're going to act. I think that kind of connects with what uh, Brandon said about documentary as a whole, and also uh, Warner Herzog quote, like "Be the wasp that stings." Like, cause that's what Nathan does. Is he just he's like he found this William Heath guy, who's very odd, as you guys who have seen it will know, or anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it will find out. And he just lets him be himself, but he he provokes it in a way that highlights it, but still gives him some of a redeeming, almost like a, uh, I have empathy for him in the end, I think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think the way that Nathan controls that so subtly, and like, you can't tell what's real or what's not. It's, it's for me, it's, uh, it leaves me speechless. It's just, uh, I think it's very profound and I I very much appreciate it. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, no, I, 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 he does do that like he's he's forcing them in a direction where he seems to know exactly what they're going to do which is so right which is so incredible but Um, he is he is still giving them some freedom i I mean a a lot of freedom i would think i mean especially in the case of finding francis with, with um bill like he took this guy to uh his hometown for like like a month month and a half and basically built this entire premise and obviously nathan kind of had the idea in his head like this could be the big finale and this could be a real um interesting story to follow but uh but yeah there there's definitely certain points where i'm glad that nathan is in control though it's at at um at certain points it's it's definitely good that he's there to mediate um especially uh just for instance when he's like directing bill um mm-hmm. on stage with the actor portraying francis francis yes cuts him off immediately because he of course you know he immediately touches this woman's leg he's like hold on yeah bill why did you do that yes uh i wrote down some notes about that but that's exactly what i'm trying to say with what i referenced i said that he frames these people and you know like in almost as if it were a portrait like he's we're controlling is bad but there is so much freedom but he still knows how they're going to do it and what i think is funny about uh nathan free as a whole is that his entire show almost every single episode he he gives you a very detailed description of the process of how he's going to do this it comes with this wacky idea tells you how it's going to work and then it gives you every detail on how it works out. So his, his process has always been very revealed 
but he's in he's in way he's in character. But in Finding Francis, I was watching it for the fourth time, and I really realized that during Finding Francis, he's not in character. He's really, in my opinion, he's not. And but you you see that detailed process that's behind the process of the show when he asks questions like in the very beginning when he's interviewing Bill, he's like, okay, you want to find her. Say so you find her, then what? Okay, what do you what do you want to accomplish by this? How do you want this to go? The same when he's interviewing or talking to Bill before he brings in June to act out, you know, how that would happen. Yeah. And that, that whole scene is in, insane. Like it's funny, it's comical, but and of course it could just be some of the magic of you know television or Hollywood or whatever, but Bill was acting insane how he was going to act. And then Nathan got a breakthrough with him by having the situation acted out. And then what the big uh, breakthrough was the role reversal. He made Bill become Francis. It's like, that's silly, but it worked. Yeah. It's, that, it's, that, it's insane. It's, like, it's absolutely insane, but it like, it's so, it's so funny when you see this, but it's real. Like when, when he takes the wig off, they have the shot of Bill going, oh, like like he's <laughs> like he's coming out of a stupor. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, like he's yeah. realizing so much more about his relationship and himself than he ever did before. Um, but yeah, and then you know Nathan does the same thing again, um, right near the end of this. Uh, we're we're really jumping around here, but when they're in, Fran- when they're in her like neighborhood, they're sitting in front of. Francis's house yes and Bill is just saying well no we're gonna go up to her front door with the camera she won't mind and Nathan is pretty much staunchly saying like no we're not doing that until you call her and we can talk about the call later because that's a pretty I think a pretty huge revealing oh, the, yeah the calls um, yeah but um yeah uh getting getting back to the beginning of this I I watching it again um and nathan kind of implies this but like it's so funny seeing all these shots of bill at the production studio just sleeping or eating their food or reading the movement yeah or reading the movement and then just like mentioning francis like kind of like he kind of has a half have an idea of maybe he can get Nathan to help him out with it. I think you're right about that. Um, that makes sense. Just uh, you, again, not to jump around, but just throughout the documentary, you you really begin to realize how selfish Bill is, mm-hmm. and that's probably what he was doing. And that's kind of it, it. Really, right. <laughs> foreshadows his character in a lot of ways, but. <laughs> Right from the beginning, you see how selfish he is. They're f- recording the commentary, oh and he takes a phone call from AT and T to lower his cell phone bill. <laughs> uh, do either, either of you know if that commentary track was ever released? That is on. I don't have it, but that's on like the first, uh, or it's probably well. They released the whole series at this point on DVD, not on Blu-ray, um, but. They have those episodes out on like you can buy that you can buy the special the physical copy of it with the special features with the commentaries i don't know how much of bill's uh phone call is in the commentary but it'd be it great exists. if it was the uh 
if it was a whole 15 minutes oh my but, god no that, that whole beginning with him though yeah uh, the, like the first time you see it and you, it just it like it just feels like he's being just kind of an awkward um you know just an awkward presence because kind of like showing up unwanted like and you can see like the people in the office have like gotten used to him just showing up because like Nathan and Bill are having a conversation and there's just like interns on the couch, you know, on the, you know, on the computer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or even like when, when Bill decides to take that phone call, there's another guy on the other side of the couch who's just like, you know, whoops out his phone and he's just like, he's just going with it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> waiting for it to be over. Um, but yeah, but like after, you know, the movie's ending, like, uh, you, you know, you start to learn more about Bill and you kind of, like I, I, you begin to like, the movie doesn't ever say it, um, but like you begin to start questioning his motives. So like, how much of it that you know, was uh, he start seeing these different sides of him, and how much of it that he's actually just kind of planned out on his own? Um, it is very it's it's very funny to start seeing this really sinister side of this guy, who um, who seems really harmless, but at his worst is like <laughs> is like really toxic yeah it's um, like when nathan asks him are you a stalker were you a stalker and he just goes am i uh i i's uh i look like a stalker to you <laughs> and he just gives him this insane look and like yeah dude you kind of do you look fucking nuts and then he starts eating the peanuts again <laughs> I'm going in again. <laughs> That's what he says. He, just, he goes, "Here I go, digging in again." <laughs> <laughs> like just such a odd fellow. Um, and like, again, like I really, I know, um, the whole thing is like, oh, he he went, he gave up uh, Francis for his career, but like honestly, what career did this guy have? Like. Is he, has he been in anything? Like, can anyone, I've tried looking so many times to see if there's anything he's been in that's like a TV show or a movie. I can't find anything. Neither can I. And that's one thing I think, I think Nathan probably, obviously he knew, but um, one thing I think is missing from the timeline, maybe I just didn't notice it, but uh, he was dating Francis in high school and then he left to go to LA to be in Hollywood and be an actor. When did he graduate from college? Because that's a big part of his life is his team, his alma mater. So did he go to LA, fail, then go back to college? Like that's what, and that's one thing that I don't know if that really makes a difference in terms of the movie, but just his life story and how things worked out. That had to have played in somewhere, but we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we ne- they never. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say um, it's possible because I know they talk about him being with another woman at a certain point, like cheating on Francis. So I wonder yeah. if he um, Gloria, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that was like a college fling or really even, the, but then again, like it wouldn't make that much sense to call himself an alma mater, but Bill's kind of a freak. Like maybe he didn't even graduate. He just calls it his alma mater. Yeah. And somehow the the most bizarre thing i just wish that we maybe if there's one thing in this that we didn't learn that i wanted to learn it was just what bill has actually done for 60 years yeah um and how he how he is ava- 
able to give three thousand dollars a year. <laughs> yeah, to his alma mater. Yeah, I wonder what his job. I mean, we know that we find out that he isn't actually a Bill Gates impersonator. That wasn't his actual job, yeah, which is so, just crushing. Like, that when I when I thought that was the truth, it made it all made sense. I had zero questions, but now that I know it's not true, <laughs> I'm, I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> uh, how how many years had it been since he'd seen Francis? Um, she graduated fifty nine. They broke up after they graduated, and this was came out twenty seventeen. So I think I think Francis says in the phone call fifty seven years, or something like that, or forty seven well, years. Well, she says. She, well, that's she, another been, thing where the yeah. Well, it's another thing where the timeline got muddied for me because I thought the whole movie he was saying he hadn't seen her in forty seven years. And then, but then she had been on her second marriage for forty seven. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. She said she'd been married for forty seven years. So I think that they hadn't seen each other in, let me think, because this was filmed in 2016. Um, I only know that because you can see it on the Young Frankenstein poster. Um, it says that the performances are in like October 2016. Um, yeah. Uh, so they realistically, what, 60s? Like they hadn't seen each other since the early 60s? I think that makes sense. Especially like, maybe, she- like maybe since like, I don't know. If she graduated 59, maybe like 62 or 63 was the last time they saw each other. Wow. Yeah, I think that adds up. Yeah, I don't know. All all I know is that um, uh, we never actually see Frances. We just see her Facebook photo. And that beautiful drawing. And they, yeah, and that beautiful draw, that beautiful drawing, the age, uh, the age progression photo, and then her Facebook photo, and um, I, it makes me wonder: Do you think that maybe uh, Nathan and his production team found like Fran, like information on Francis before they even went out to Arkansas and did all this, or no? Do you think that they? I, I well, don't really know. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I guess that gets into the fuzzy part for me, where I start to I start to question whether, Fran, whether Francis is just a character or not, you know, whether she's like an actual person, like whether the whole thing is an actual, you know. She's. I, uh, I have, uh, so I've done some research online. Um, there's a really cool website out there called uh, Reddit. Oh. <laughs> And it's kind of like Google for like cool people, but <laughs> oh, apparently, apparently after the yeah for like you know people like me, after the, sh- the the documentary aired, people on the internet did that and found that she's very real. Like the address is real. The phone people would bother her, and they the, the Nathan for you Reddit community was like, stop calling Francis, leave her alone. And the same thing happened to a similar degree with Macy, the escort. Like mm-hmm. I I read it. She did a she made a statement that she gave to like a moderator on the Reddit and said like, you know, this is what I'm going to say about it. And that's it. And the funny thing is she's she like, she said that she's not at liberty to talk about the show due to the fact that uh, she said, this does not, she says like, I'm sorry, the exact words were like, it's not how my business works. I don't talk about what I do with my clients. So she, from her aspect, she couldn't legally talk about it. Not, right. Nothing, yeah. Nothing, I, nothing to do with like a production. She didn't sign a, an NDA or anything, but I, yeah, I have to imagine, yeah, not only, like, just from what she does for a living, but also from, like, like you just said, like, not India. I, I, I feel like she probably did sign something, like, that I'm she sure, wouldn't. Yeah. Um, 
Do you guys hear my cat scratching at the door? They're going yeah. crazy right now. Uh, um, but yeah, to answer the question, Brandon, the, the, from what I can tell, Francis is what they found was very real. And then it's on top of it, like how, how obviously with his production company, how could they have tracked a woman down when all they really knew was what Bill Heath, a crazy elderly man, was saying? <laughs> I mean, the drawing was really good, but it wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> So the funniest thing with that with that drawing is when they're at the wig store and they oh, show God. it to the woman and she goes, Is that a woman? And he goes, Yes, ma'am. And she goes, No. <laughs> I, I, I like in the same same wig store, uh the first interaction where he's showing, I think it's the woman that works at the wig store, and she's he's holding the little drawing and she goes, is that a white lady? And Nathan looks at Bill and goes, is she white? And he, Nathan, yeah. And Nathan goes, yeah, white. Like, <laughs> that, I, I thought that was funny, but also that made me wonder, like, does Nathan really not know what color she is at this point? Like, have they not talked about it that much? Because <laughs> Nathan's was so meticulous, but like, apparently he never asked like her hair color or anything. But yeah, it was very comical. And that whole, that whole uh, interaction. Well, they go in Hannibal. Well, following that, they go into. I think what's my favorite part of the movie is the uh, the age progressionist. Um, oh man, <laughs> who has some of my favorite lines in the whole have, movie? Brandon, uh, have you seen his episode of Nathan for you? I saw it. I saw it when it aired. Okay, because so it's been a long time he, since I've seen that. His his episode of that show is just buck wild. <laughs> Um, the for anyone that hasn't seen it, he's he's this older gentleman who I think his name's he's is he Cornelius? Is that Cornelius Lad? Cornelius Lad. Um, his whole thing is that he's like a professional age progressionist. So he has technology. He says that he has pro like a computer program or like technology that he works with to create these like age progression photos. It's just Photoshop. He has Photoshop and MS Paint. Um, and in in finding Francis, he takes a photo of Francis from high school and age progresses at fifty years. Um, pretty much all he does is pull her cheeks down and pull her face out and colorize the photo. Uh, but in his episode of Nathan for you, he's taking photos of two, uh, like a couple, and creating a child and just making the most unsettling images of of children. Or uh, or like taking photos of children and making making yeah making them like eighteen, showing what they look like when they're older, and just I know for one of them he he turns a boy and it's like a little boy that he age progressed into like a a, a teenage woman uh, or like yeah. a model, and he yeah. just can't fathom that he got it wrong. Um, that was funny. The the I forgot the name of the child, but it had a name that was technically gender neutral so he thought it was a girl he was he was like he was like shocked he's like are you sure this one her he's like yeah him it's a boy <laughs> but anyway uh yeah he, he literally he literally just manipulates the cheeks and just brings them down and he's you know the whole time he's going on about you know just remember it's gravity yeah it's gravity um because if you are living in living in outer space which we all will one day <laughs> it's, just, it's just that that throwaway line I, I i don't know it's like it's like this 
the production team has this way of just choosing the most insane people oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> bizarre human beings he's the thing is he's like not even the craziest person nathan's ever worked with oh definitely he's, not he's definitely up there just the way he is saying those things and um my favorite thing just very very subtle having two of the same printer oh my god <laughs> gotta have a backup you gotta have a backup when you travel dude. as if he couldn't go to a walgreens just absolutely incredible also nathan flying these people out from los angeles to little rock for like two days is just so funny to me just the 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 pure i've always thought like the dedication nathan put into the show was incredible but the dedication to um finding francis is just beyond anything else um it's up it's up there with the um him becoming a famous parody artist for dumb Starbucks and him learning. Yeah. And him taking over someone's life for the hero. And learning another, a yeah. Which is another episode that like, you know, that's like an hour long special, but that's another episode that could just be talked about for hours. And Chase, you follow the hero on, on Instagram. I follow both his Instagrams. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what this episode does is it takes Nathan's like fascination for people who 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 desperately want to be genuine, but everything about them is so it's just so fake. It's just so you know produced. Yeah. Um, like I, I, Bill's the prime example, um, you know, of a guy who seemingly wants everything from a normal life, but his background is just complete mystery. Um, the the age progressionist who wants nothing but to like be validated in his work but his work is just <laughs> you know it's is, just garbage it's just, nonsense it's just it's just complete nonsense um the you know the the even when we're getting into mud too i mean like the actor oh my god <laughs> you know the actor that they have from mud i mean you know who seems like a probably just a genuine guy from a small town but like uh, you know, obviously, just you know, going with the flow to try and be in this obviously fake movie, which he has to know is fake. You know, <laughs> no man, the no, it's real mud too, never clean. The the most incredible thing about that guy is that he's in, in that scene from Mud that they show him in. He's like standing on the street. Yeah, right. I, I don't even think because they say like he you can see him in the back of the scene with the motorcycle. Like I don't even, he's not even on the motorcycle. He's like standing there. Um and like you said, he's probably a genuine guy, probably a nice guy, but like when he comes in he goes, You both look familiar. Great movie. That guy, <laughs> yeah, that guy probably probably never interacted with anyone on set. I don't no. know. If, if anything, he was in the shot accidentally and needed to to be credited or something it's just like he's probably a genuine guy but this whole aspect of him is just completely like delusional <laughs> look at all this mud yeah did he even know what the movie was about i mean if you I, I read the <laughs> i read the synopsis of mud very briefly before this today and that the guy that uh actor from mud clearly has never seen the film 
have no idea what it's about. Because what is mud about? Um, shit. Uh, two guys find. I got pulled up. They find like Matthew McConaughey's character. I guess goes by mud, and I guess he's on the run or something. Man, it's, this is embarrassing for a film podcast for me. To Matthew McConaughey talk. has a gun. That's all I know about it. Because that's what the poster is. Okay, I got it right here. A pair of teenagers who encounter the uh, main character, Mud, who's Matthew McConaughey, a fugitive hiding on a small island and agree to help him evade his pursuers. So nothing about uh, a library that's been filled with mud. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure it's not about a library that has mud in it and on everything and needs to be cleaned up? Nothing. I read Wikipedia twice now. All right. Well, someone's uh, gonna have to explain it to this guy. Someone's gonna have to clean up the mud. Last isn't time, it, is it, wasn't it crazy how that little how, how that whole plot works, where this high school is so strict they won't let anybody in unless you're a parent or a guardian. And then he Nathan obviously it didn't happen, so he hangs up the phone, calls back, "Hey, uh, we want to film mud too. Can we get it in your library and take some?" Yeah. Of your, sure. Oh, What's doors open. What's <laughs> fucked up about it is just like how it, that's just like true. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a real that's a real thing. Like, rules won't apply to you if you say you're making a movie or a TV show. Chase, yeah. I'm sure you remember when they were um, filming the uh, documentary about Racine, like where we're from, Racine, yeah. Wisconsin, Racine Teen or whatever. Yeah, they basically gave this production company like free reign to film like at all the high schools in the city. Yeah, um, because they said they were making a show for MTV when really they were making like a two-minute teaser trailer to try to help get the show greenlit by MTV. Yeah, um, just absolutely insane. That was on the that was on the front page of the newspaper in the town yeah. in the city Chase and I were from that they were filming this TV show that wasn't even real. Um, oh my god, it's that simple. It's that simple. So, there, you know what? There might be a Mud 2 clip out there or a Mud 2 like newspaper <laughs> article that the production company for Mud 2 was at Dumas Senior High. Um, <laughs> the, the, the funniest part of the lie is that they say that Mud 2 was a 1950s period piece and they needed yearbooks in order to figure out what, what it should look like as if there's nothing else. There's no resource <laughs> for what the fifties were like. Uh, oh my God. We needed to be specific to do this. Yeah, that's true. That's God. very true. The, the, uh, I, I, the, the, that's it. That's the best thing, I guess, about Nathan for you and finding Francis and Nathan Fielder in general is just, he pushes, he's con he controls the situation. Like we've said before, but he, he also just he pushes the envelope um, in almost mundane ways. He doesn't go, he doesn't do anything that's like out of the ordinary, but he does things that you wouldn't expect and just sees how far he can get away with it. Like like the shooting of Mud 2, um, like the 57th high school reunion. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, which is another attempt to see if they can lure Francis out yeah. for Bill. Um Nathan. That's one of my favorite scenes. Is that whole. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I do I do love when he just kind of exposes and he does it in the show too, but he just kind of exposes things, not really exposing them, but just kind of like showing like you can do some things like with no consequence. Like you could just you could just do a fake high school reunion and there is no consequence for doing that. Yeah, no one no one no one's going no one's going to stop you from spending your own money to trick old senior citizens into, into coming, talking to each other into talking to each other and talking to you like you're not gonna get there's no there's no repercussion there um the wildest thing is the guy who thinks francis is his grandmother oh my god uh who who calls them and says yeah my grandma's name is francis she's really old and the guy and the guy wants to meet them at, at a restaurant and he show and they, they show up the guy gets out of his car he seems like a nice enough guy he does have a knife on his hip uh, I, I, don't, I think that that's probably just the type of guy he is but he does have a knife but in order to convince him that they're not weird Nathan pulls out an envelope of cash and flashes it at him <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. you can be just like a freak like that and people you know it, you you get away with it. You you get lured to this man's grandmother's house. It's insane. I thought about that when I was watching it today. Like, for if someone said, "Hey, give me, I'll give you, you know, five hundred dollars if you tell me where your grandmother lives," I would say, "No, what? <laughs> why, why, why do you want my grandma's address? What the fuck?" And it just, and the, the fact he got the opposite. He got. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm down. My her name's Francis. Whatever." Yeah, not worried at all. That guy kind of not he does not really, but when that guy first shows up, I thought, man, this guy's like he kind of looks very he looks like a poor man's Walter Goggins. It looks oh it sounds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a poor man's Walter Goggins. Um and then, and Walton Goggins is already a poor man's Walton Goggins, so <laughs> I like that Bill felt it necessary to use her bathroom. Yes. And they explain, well, when you got to go, it feels better to go even if you could have waited. It's like you showed up to this woman's house unannounced and asked her for her maiden name. And she said, oh, well, no, but you can use my bathroom. Like, I was, man. Oh, no, that wasn't her response. To her, her response I, yeah, was even better than that. Her yeah. response was, let me check because there's more than one person that lives in this house. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. God. <laughs> And then as he leaves, she says, God bless you. You get to see what real people are like. That's and what it's all about. They're nicer than I am. They're nicer than Bill. He immediately says the woman's bathroom could have been cleaner. <laughs> oh, my God. You're right. You're right. Let me show up to someone's house unannounced, demand that I use their bathroom, and then make judgments about its cleanliness. <laughs> yeah. He just does the same thing with uh, when he first sees Francis's husband on Facebook, how, how ugly he is, how fat he is. Right. Yeah. Nathan Looks calls so him out on at that time. Um, yeah, Nathan does. Nathan says that's not very nice. He calls him out a few times. Um, yeah. That, like when he first denies the escort, <laughs> he's like, he reacts in a completely oh insane God. way. Yeah. Oh well, my and then God. You, you start like realizing that he's like <laughs> ultra conservative too. Um, Holy which is probably shit. the funniest part because this is like being filmed in 2016 just before the election. Yeah. Before before the election, Bill is a Trump are, supporter. Just so everyone knows, Bill supports Trump. Yeah, Bill supports Donald. He's H. the man for the Trump. Donald man H. for the Trump. Trump. He's the That's man for I, the job. 
Yes. I, I believe that's his middle initial. H. Yeah, H. <laughs> Harold as it is. He's so he's so confident that it's Donald H. Trump. And I love um, that he's like Nathan's like, why are you telling me? Because Nathan is Canadian. He, as far as I know, we can't vote. I'm sure he has dual citizenship, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I it's when that scene is shown, I can just think like, oh my god, I bet that like with all the hours Nathan has spent with this guy, just a guy who from what you saw in a few scenes, like within maybe half an hour or an hour seemed to repeat himself dozens of times. I can only imagine how much shit he was saying about Trump during the filming of this. Because yeah. um, then back, I mean, for the last four years, it's all people fucking talked about. But back then, that's when the shit was strong. Um, but watching watching that when it came out in 2017... And hearing Bill Heath be more realistic than like the majority of like broadcasters in the United States when he goes, polls don't matter, election day matters. <laughs> Just <laughs> fuck. It, it hits so it hits so hard. Yeah. And hearing having to hear that from Bill Heath. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just telling it like it is. Like he he knew. He maybe, knew. Maybe Bill, maybe Bill Heath was the man for the job all along. I would. I would. I'd vote for Bill Heath. I'd vote for him again. <laughs> I wouldn't vote for Bill Heath. Bill Heath is a monster. Um, I, I, does anyone know what he's doing now? No. I have a theory about Bill Heath. Well, too. Um, what is it? So, if you, when you watch the documentary, you can the letters are make it very clear. One of the problems with and I could be wrong, but one of the problems with the relationship is Bill very clearly wanted to have sex with Frances and she did not want to. Right. And then he cheated on Frances with, with uh, I think Gloria was her name. But cheating is never defined whatever happens. So we don't know for sure what happened. But then uh, when Nathan asks, what's your favorite memory of Frances? He says, well, trying to have sex with her, which is a terrible answer. But that was his answer. And then when the, the escort comes up, he says, you know, you got to know what you're sticking your dick in or whatever. Um, his, first of all, his, his clear motive in this whole thing is sex. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Same. Who cares? No. Um, but is he, uh, is he a 78-year-old virgin? Is that what his problem is? Oh, my God. Is that is, that, is he a virgin? I, I, it, I, mean, I, I don't know. But it, it, when he... When he um, when he talks, when he when he touches that actress, and then when he, t- you know, says the stuff about the escort, and um, says that maybe Francis would marry him, leave her husband, and it does make me think like this is this is a man who has not had intimacy with another human, and whether that be sex or even just like a close relationship in in years. Yes, just in in such a long time. Um, I mean, Nathan even says it. Uh, Bill Heath does not know how to interact with women at all. Mm-hmm. And I, that's not a new development. It's not like he turned that way at 75. Based on the letters from the 50s, he did not know how to interact with women back then either. Yeah. So it's possible. You know, we got to get Mythbusters on the case. Bill Heath, adult virgin. He's possible. He's, he has, Notes. he has, a, <laughs> Bill Heath is just a, a, a man who's determined to do 
bad things, I guess, at certain, like at certain points. Um, or not, I mean, not necessarily bad, but like just when he puts his mind to something, it seems like it just eats at him. And um, Francis, obviously, very long time. But we see it right after they leave Francis's house. Um, his his determination to kill that bee that was in the hotel room. That was terrifying. The hornet that stings. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy fuck. Isn't that nuts? Um, there's um, one. Sh- there's one shot. There's one yeah. shot in there when he's trying to get that bee that he swings the pillow, and it's like five close. feet. Yeah. It's like five feet away. <laughs> but just the, uh, the look, the look on his face after he flushes the toilet and like walks over Nathan. Like I forgot what he said, but he like cocks his head sideways and does that classic Bill Heath grin. It's like, <laughs> he's, he's terrifying. It's the same. It's the same grin he gave after he made the comment about "Do I look like a stalker?" Mm-hmm. There's clearly something, you know, afoot with this man. But sorry, I think Brandon was going to say something. Well, yeah, well, he does have like he does seem to have though like a like a genuine transformation after you know after acting himself out. Um, I mean, because I because yes. I because it happens after that. I mean, shortly thereafter, you know, they actually go to meet Francis and he can't bring himself to, you know, meet her face to face. So he has this like 20 minute phone call with her just outside of her house. You know, there's trees so that she obviously can't see, but he's outside her house with, you know, three or four other cars filled with a film crew, you know? Yeah. Um, You know, the usual, but he, but like, I mean, it's, it's weird because he's having this very bizarre relationship, but you can, or sorry, this bizarre conversation with her but you can see like the gears kind of turning in his head like oh, for realizing sure. that he has to do like the right thing and the right thing for, for him to do is like just let this be it and not engage with her anymore yeah yeah and let's talk about the phone call a little bit because that i think was and i'm not you know i i did found a film podcast but i'm not a you know an auteur or whatever you call it you guys you guys are the legends here (laughs) but like that phone call is really for me that's like the pinnacle of the whole it's like the crux of it because and i noticed he did the same thing with his phone call with june at the very end but he says to francis you know do you you know who this is do you recognize my voice and she does it and you can tell it crushes him Mm -hmm. it it's, it's that's the very beginning of his you know transformation of like realizing you know this isn't what i thought it was going to be but uh, it's uh, the whole thing in a way is really backwardsly, you know, backwards way selfish. How he talks with her about you've, everything is within the frame of him. Like, do you think about me ever? Do you recognize my voice? Uh, you know, I should have married you. You should have married me. That kind of thing. But then when he calls June at the end, the first thing he says to her is, "Do you know who this is?" Mm-hmm. It's just, and it's just. The, the, I think those parallels in those two conversations. I'm sure, obviously, Nathan Fielder was in. He he did that on purpose, but. Uh, it's, I just think it speaks very loudly for Bill as a person. Um, yeah. Just watching that all, watching that breakdown. That I, I don't think the phone call. I guess the transformation to call it was, was as heartwarming from my perspective. I think Bill noticed he wasn't getting to get his way, so he had to save face. Like when she said, when he, when she explained, "Oh, I had nine grandchildren. You know, I've been married for damn near fifty years." 
And she's like, what are you doing? He covers his mouth and he's like, yep, I'm still an actor in LA. I'm still working as an actor. And then like, yeah. that's it. And he moves on very quickly. He's embarrassed. He's not going to get what he wants. He's trying to save face and he's going to move on, which is good for Francis. But I don't think that moving on is out of the goodness of his heart. It's out of the fact that he's, you know, embarrassed and uh, wants to go. His, he doesn't seem to stay focused very long. Like, like one of you guys said earlier, he fixates on something and then like it's not a fixation comes to an end somehow and then he just goes on to the next thing that he thinks will serve him best so that whole phone call for me was fun it really was told the whole tale in a 15 minute segment really mm-hmm. that's how so, i saw it it's also just buck wild that he would think she would be able to tell what he sounds like 50 years later oh i know like yeah. just two like old people all sound the same <laughs> um <laughs> But but yeah, that 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 phone call with her, he really does realize. You're right, Chase. That um, he doesn't really have that chance. He 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 doesn't. There there's, this is the end of the line with Francis. I think he he realizes it as soon as she doesn't recognize his voice. Yeah, yeah. I was I was kind of bringing it um, from a point of like a transformation, not necessarily a heart, a heartwarming one, but like the one that he needed, like, you know, yeah. to, you know, to, I, I yeah. guess to get closure. Um, yeah. It's like Batman, not the one he needed, the one he deserved. <laughs> Jesus. And then it, it, towards the end of the call, you can't, because you don't get a lot. It's kind of hard to tell anything, anything deeper about Francis as a person. You can tell she's very kind, uh, probably very, uh, She's religious still, it seems, but uh, towards the end of the call, she says, "You know, Bill, are you okay?" Like, I know, yeah. And then, and then, like, he says, "What do you mean?" And I forgot what he says back, but she's like, "Health wise," because the way he's sounding, it's like almost like he's saying goodbye or like, yeah. I, if, if I were to that I, call, I'd say, "Yeah," I would be like, "Is this guy like dying of cancer or something?" And he's like, "Honest, you know." Anyway, that's I thought about that too. Like, I wonder because, like, clearly as you can tell he bill is a lot more engaged in this conversation than francis is for the most part oh yeah mostly because like you said he is just asking questions about well did you think about me what was your favorite thing about my mother yeah Uh, what what do you remember most fondly about my mother um but but yeah it's it, it is she's kind of like I think trying to find the point of the call. And then if it's not that he's like dying and, and wants to like give her money or something, I, yeah. you know, not, not saying that that's what she was looking for, but like if this dude who bragged about how he was going to LA and leaving me called me 50 years later, I'd be expecting um more out of it than him just yeah saying the things he said. And yeah, I think it, the last, the last word on it from me, from in my opinion was the fact that like, Francis ended the phone call. She's like, well, gotta go. Yep. Uh, and then think that I don't think Bill necessarily realized it, but in my mind, I was like, wow, Francis does not give a shit about this guy. And she shouldn't, but uh I think yeah. when you're going into the documentary, you're hoping you kind of want that happy ending of like, oh my god, look at married. But the real happier ending is that she is left alone for the rest of her life <laughs> from this man. Yeah. And you can you can tell she's trying not to engage you know with the yeah you know, she she recognizes that he's what he's trying to do you know yeah yeah she's she's not trying she's not trying to give him any sort of 
I like listen of hope or like what answering any of his what ifs like yeah. he's not really bringing them up but like it's almost as if she knew what uh, where he could go and like honestly um if he you know if he was like pushy with her and and said rude things to her and things like that like he doesn't deserve anything other than the conversation he got you know it's yeah. that's he deserves to just have that like oh well it's nice to hear from you and there was, right. Yeah, exactly. And there was a couple times in the conversation where when uh, one question I remember specifically Bill asked was uh, like, how come you never called me? Was that hard for you to do? And she literally just doesn't answer it. He asked yeah. it three times and she doesn't answer it. And this is another one that was probably a higher question on his priority list. I forgot what it was but that he asked. And again, she did the same thing. She just didn't answer it. And I was like, man, she really, she handled it it's like it's almost like she was forewarned but i, I don't think she was but maybe she was because you can't like brandon said earlier like you can't tell where the you know it reality is the lot the line in the sand is with this mm-hmm. so this is it's it went well i think as it could have for both of them really yeah he starts he starts doing what people do um in these kind of situations where you're essentially you essentially are talk talk to yourself um you know, you're asking these questions like that for yourself. Cause I mean, like, I think he recognizes at that point, like, you know, he never called her, you know, it was hard for him. Like he, you know, yeah, he's all, he's gone through this, uh, this whole time, just kind of suffering through it. Um, but he, he could, he could never manage to pick up the phone himself. Um, so I, I think that, I think that he's kind of reflecting it back on himself, but also at the same time, still being selfish. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Going back to what you said though, about um, uh, specifically, um, you know, do, do you recognize my voice? Like just kind of like the, the framing of that. Um, it's, it's, again, it's just, it's what Nathan does. Like he can put these people in, in a, in a frame um, and kind of, um Kind of like, like you know, you, you can tell that he that Nathan probably told him to ask her that on the second call, um, but like, but like he puts them in a frame, kind of, you know, you know, p- pushes them in a certain direction, but you know, he he can kind of tell that that direction is what is going to get like either the most genuine response or like the most, you know, bizarre response. Um, in that case, it's like one that's very genuine, but he does that with other people where, you know, he, he puts them in this, um, in this little, it, it, he puts them in a little box and um, he can kind of predict the outcome. It, it's, 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 it's a very, it's a very bizarre skill for someone like him to have, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> one thing, and again, this is going back to, that conversation earlier in the conversation. And I think Byron will be able to speak to this really well. Cause I think if I'm not mistaken, you saw Nathan live and he talked about this to a degree, but so, and I think in the season two episode, and I don't, I'm sure Byron's seen it. I don't know if Brandon's seen it. Uh, Daddy's the episode where they do daddy's watching is one half. I forget what the other half is. And they do another very small segment where they, use embarrassing photographs as motivators for losing weight yes and so nathan explains i think i talked to Bert about this at one point even so he, he says you know uh, he explains you know how he does his idea his process 
And Nathan says, you know, I use these embarrassing photos of myself to motivate, you know, things I want to get done, like my screenplay. And when they show his screenplay as laptop, it's titled Searching for Susan. <laughs> this is season two. And I was like, okay. So I, I watched that again. I was like, wait a minute. Was he working on this in, se- in season two all, way back when? Is that a coincidence that he was writing a screenplay called Searching for Susan? And then, you know, season four, he really finding Francis. Is that when, an Easter egg? When did, the, I, when did the first Bill episode air? Was that season one? Uh, that was the oh. the web. Yeah, the episode is the web. It honestly could have been like the thing is they could have met Bill Heath like around the same time that they were editing and cutting like that season. Um, so it, it's completely plausible that he had mentioned her at that point, or um, they'd had conversations about it, or also Nathan could have just had a general idea like what if someone was looking for their long lost love because as we all know nathan's a lover um not a fighter yeah the daddy's watching episode airs four episodes later than the first appearance of bill heath See, but there you go i remember byron saying after he's i could be remembering this incorrectly but after he saw nathan he does and i believe he explained that sometimes he would, he would work on these things for months at a time and they sometimes it wouldn't even pan out so yeah it is in reality possible he had been working on this idea even if he didn't have bill heath in place for it yet but just working on the idea of it for you know months and then after he had the idea fleshed out he found a vehicle for it and i think that's how a lot of his episodes worked was he came up with the idea and then took it where, where can i put this idea and then found a business that he like for example the pizza shop i don't think he found the pizza shop first and was like oh what could i do for a pizza shop he definitely right. came up with the idea first and then applied it to a business. So it's very possible he wrote out, you know, searching for Susan and then found Bill Heath and it fit very perfectly. And then he tailored it to Bill's scenario. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's probably right. Cause yeah, he did mention that there's certain things they would work on for the whole season or something. It just doesn't end up panning out or it's not, um, there's not, there's not the footage that they need to, um, you know, kind of fit the build the rest of the series. So, and I think that's why this is just so special because it is so different from what you see for the most part from Nathan for you. And besides the exploration of Bill, Nathan explores himself a little bit. Yes, he does. That's, yeah, so I think we haven't that's touched on this part. too much. Let's touch on it. Let's get all up in it. Yeah, let's get in them guts. Yeah, let's go uh, knuckle deep. Like I was saying before, I don't have like, to cut that out. That's too gross. I wanted to say balls deep, but I felt that that's grosser. <laughs> also, way um, more common. I want to be original. Also, but, uh, I, I, this is my podcast, and I say that you don't have to cut it out. Yeah, okay, chase, all right, that's fine. Chase, chase the boss, like Tony Danza, um, <laughs> Tony Soprano. Hey, right, so we all uh, know that the definitive answer to who's the boss is Angela. Okay. Oh all right. Chase, you've seen that episode of Community, right? Yes, I have. Okay. It's the cool. definitive answer. <laughs> um, also, yeah, yeah. Sorry, but that was gross. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's disgusting. I hate, I hate, I've heard, I can't remember who I've heard say it, but I hate every time I've heard anything like that. Um, I want to say Cameron, but I don't know why. And that's why I said it. I said it for my good friend Cameron. Um, 
Hi, Cameron. Uh, anyway, like I was saying uh, before, this, yeah, is, this isn't just yeah. this isn't just about Bill Heath and uh, and trying to find his long lost love. It's just also about Nathan coming to terms with what he's um, been doing with Nathan for you. Um, if he's if he's actually happy happy continuing uh, to work on these projects that he's kind of you know made his entire life over the last few years and uh, just just reaching out and trying to explore and find other things or you know in the case of this find a person who makes him feel um, uh, joy and like there's other opportunities in the world. And that person is uh, Macy, right? That's her name. Yes, Macy, M-A-C-I. Um, who is a professional escort that Nathan hires for Bill Heath to have a conversation with. And Bill Heath immediately goes to um, the idea of, well, I don't want to have sex with an escort. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which was not on the table in the first place. At all. Yeah, um, right. Well, he- Nathan, you know, eventually, you know, ends up hiring her several times and, you know, gets this attachment to her um, as he kind of explores this other side of other side of him, which for me is where it starts to really like, like Chase, you said earlier that Nathan is totally not in character in this, but this is where it starts, like for me, where I start to like, I start to like, feel like he gets more in character or i can't tell i guess as i'm, I'm trying exactly. to decipher um whether he's in he's character too or not. good man he's, he's too, too good i mean good. like um the uh it's got like probably the most rough kiss scene ever committed to film <laughs> oh my god it's i was watching it um i was watching it at the gym on my phone <laughs> uh, and when I say, by the way, when I, I mentioned this, but when I say the gym, I don't mean I'm going out, out in public to a gym uh, in with like a ton of people and not wearing a mask. I'm, I'm going to the private fitness center at my work, uh, where I'm all alone most of the time. You work at Planet Fitness, that's correct. Yeah, right? that's the thing. I work yes. at Planet Fitness. <laughs> I get to go in when we're closed. Um, which is never but that's fine we'll continue but like even though there was no one around me i just felt so awkward watching this scene of nathan having these little kisses with this escort in a in a hotel room in arkansas um Um, i really thought the same thing i it brought me back to his other kiss scene in the series which never actually came to fruition during the hunk when that woman tries to make a move and he pulls away <laughs> and he says, we're too fast. And then he moves in again and not too fast, too fast. And for me, that one was more painful because I could see in that woman's eyes, like the, the, the dread and like the, this, the crisis inside of her. And uh, I, I, that maybe that's how the hunk is in general. Like when oh, he forces God. that woman to say that she loves him. Oh my God. Yeah. And speaking of that, I was going to say that, like the kissing with Macy um, kind of reminds me, it kind of gives Nathan, um, I mean, it, it, it's different than this, but like it, it really reminds me of when Nathan was auditioning the actresses and making them say, I love you, making oh. that woman say, I love you over and over. And he just kept going again, just crying again. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was Nathan, uh, 
finally, you know, we, we've seen the entire, the entire series, um, Nathan, or at least Nathan, as he's perceived in Nathan for you is kind of this awkward guy who can't have, um, who isn't good with women, uh, who the wizard of loneliness, someone calls him, um, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, too deep of a V-neck, um, (laughs) but, uh, you, you finally see him like, uh, find even, you know, even if it is completely fake it is completely scripted for the show um i i think that even if that relationship with macy isn't real um behind the scenes you know behind the curtain there, there could be something uh driving nathan and giving him those emotions and she's kind of a stand-in for that yeah uh it's <clears throat> when uh nathan's when the focus of the documentary shifts to the section that's really more so about him in the in the only there's a, there's a lot of parallels between between you know nathan even though it's again we can't tell if it's real but between nathan and bill heath with the fact that you know they're both not going with women they're both searching for something there's definitely loneliness there and to see it you know technically speaking on camera work out for nathan it's very rewarding but it's I, the only the only other time I felt this way, and, and you guys will either appreciate or very much dislike this. I feel like you'll like it. The only only other time I ever felt this way at the end of a piece of media was at the end of Twin Peaks season two, and then the end of season three, where I was like, I was like, is this real? What's going on? Oh my god! Like, I never, I never, my mind had never been. Is this? It, it, I had more questions than answers, and I, I really appreciated that they were able to do that coming from, you know, a, a Comedy Central, you know, 30-minute TV show turned into something that's much, has much more depth to it. I, I, I like it. <laughs> I, I'm speechless to this day about it. It's, it's, uh, it, it is a beautiful ending with Nathan and Macy. Um, just when, when the, when Nathan is doing his monologue about, uh, you know, moving forward and, 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 um, whoa, my cat just screamed. Um, when Nathan is kind of doing the monologue at the end, he's, he's doing the voiceover and you think he is just talking about Bill Heath, um, being able to move on and, and, uh, and look towards like, you know, look for a new day and, and find things that make him happy. And then you realize this is a letter he's writing to Macy, letting her know that he's coming back to visit her. It's just, it's beautiful. It's like it's like you said chase it's it's something great and you you don't know if it's you can't you don't know if it's actually happening you don't know if it's real but it's right yeah no chase i <clears throat> i know exactly how you feel i mean like yeah it, it's it's weird because you're either you're either seeing you know genuine emotion or you're seeing like a really crafted piece of acting um but I don't think it eventually just doesn't matter because the effect is the same. And I think that's where like the, the Herzogian like documentary uh, technique like comes into effect. It's like, whether or not, you know, if whether or not you are the hornet that stings and you're manipulating the documentary, like the effect and the film, like the outcome is what matters. It's like, you shouldn't be afraid to like mold real life. Um, 
and it's it's weird because we like at this very this is the very end where like um you know she's kind of asking him whether he wants to you know uh, you know kind of focus on the relationship or focus on the show or more so telling him that he needs to focus on the show like you know he he's considering it and then you know then he commits to the medium and he you know it's 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 bizarre because he does um Byron, I don't know. If, have you ever seen The Holy Mountain, Jodorowsky? I watched it with you. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, so you know at the yeah, end, right? At the very end, right? Like, it, you know, it. it's not a drone shot, obviously, because it was in the 70s, but it cranes out to show, like, the, you know, the the artifice that it's like it's just it's the film like everything that you've been watching is the film yeah it's like it's it's the same it's the exact same technique where he's just like we should just do the or we should just do the drone shot and it zooms out and you just see them and you see the production crew and everything and then but and the holy mountain where it's generosity just saying you know this is the film and it does the exact same thing it's like the end of uh it's like the end of holy grail at the end of Monty Python, yeah. you see the you see the uh, the the police come and arrest all the crew. And it's like, it's like the end of uh, Blazing Saddles when they see it all is the like the, crew. it is like the end of Blazing Saddles when you see it in the studio, um, like all the film studio stages. Man, yeah. wow, Chase, that's a good pull. Oh, you know. So, but now now that you mention it, Brandon. So Macy says. Uh, you know, Nathan says, "You do you want me to turn the cameras off?" And Macy's like, "Would that like defeat the point?" Yeah, wouldn't that you defeat know? the purpose? And he's like, "What's yeah. the purpose?" Yeah, and then that's when the then he's it's silence, and then he's like, "Well, we should get this drone shot." And then the drone obviously zooms out, and then the film is over. So, are you seeing? Are you interpreting that as him committing to the medium of the purpose is the film, or committing to the idea of the purposes to? real life you be with you macy like you know those two if those were the two options because you know technically speaking he says let's get the shot but the shot that's when it ends so i mean i'm not as educated in terms of film as you guys but how, how did you interpret that because that in my mind that's the way that's what i thought was interesting was it's in a way that is a little bit open-ended yeah, yeah of course it, it can go either way so I mean, personally, I mean, I see it in two. I see it in two ways. I mean, like you, I see the narrative aspect of it, where he's like, right, he's probably he's probably you know considering that to be the last shot, and given the fact that it is like the finale of the show, like, and we haven't really heard much from Nathan Fielder since. It's like uh, narratively, it's probably saying like, you know, I'm I'm not committing to you know committing to the film. Like, I need to step back, right? I need to step back and live more in the moment um so i definitely i see it that way as part of the narrative but i think but i think you know whether it's purposeful or not i can't whether can't really say whether it is or it isn't but like like i said at the beginning of the episode it's like a really profound meditation on like on documentary filmmaking um like it's like, like i said i've said it on you know four or five times now it's got this this um it's like episodic you know comedy by way of Herzog it's um it's you know <clears throat> there's another you know um there's another a whole interpretation of it when you're just looking at it as film which I think that it is um it's I also <laughs> I happened to watch the um the last episode of Community today too um the ending of season six which I 
really didn't like the first time I saw it, but watching it another, you know, two or three more times, which and I watched it today, it's like, it does very much a similar thing, um, you know, where it's kind of like, it's, 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 it's addressing itself in a completely, in a very unguarded way that I, I don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. Um, <laughs> um, but it's, 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 it's addressing itself in this way that is um, a very emotionally harsh uh, that you can't, um, that you can't really draw any conclusions from. It's like it both continues and ends at the same time. Uh, the community ends that way, but I think this does the wow. same thing. Just like the ending of Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show. Spoilers. <laughs> you guys both have seen the finale of Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show, right? Yeah, the talk show. It has a real ending. You guys know what I'm talking about. I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't really remember it. Oh, wow. See the finale. So what... Uh... I, I might be saying his name wrong. Errol Morris, the, the guy uh, who drew yeah. the blue line. He says uh, about the final moments of the episode, his, his comments were, we're so far into bizarre constructed realm that when the camera pulls back and we see everything as a kind of set as the TV show, which is being filmed, it has a destabilizing effect, uh, but we knew it all along, or didn't we? And I think that really sums it up pretty well. Like, we knew it all along, but or did we? You know, it's just and I, I like that he he called the 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 documentary his new favorite love story. And I think I remember Nathan Fielder tweeted about it when that review came out from him being mm-hmm. such you know an important documentarian. From what yeah. I've been told, I've actually seen Thimble Line, but that's that's it. I don't know anything else he did at all. <laughs> but uh, I think to get that kind of you know praise and almost uh, it being accepted by him as the you know like genuine like yeah it's not it's not it validates it yeah it's similar to to when nathan makes a film festival for his movie to make it seem real that same validation from someone who made a very important documentary has that same effect but this is real life this wasn't faked so i think that that made (laughs) me very happy to see yeah no it's great errol morris is you know probably uh one of if not the most important documentary filmmaker um of all time just incredibly skilled and just an amazing guy um yeah i think that i think that probably does put like you know i i i it does put a new perspective on like the the acceptance of 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 this into a different you know elevating it outside of you know um a comedy central show or something like that um I'd be very, I'd be very curious to see. I mean, I haven't looked into it too much because I just saw, I just watched this two times this week. But like, I'd be very curious to see like what what Werner Herzog would think of this movie, um, or um, I don't know. I, I'm just curious on just general documentarians how they how they perceive this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Byron, you have made a documentary. Yeah, this is this is true. I made a documentary kind of around the same time that this was coming out. So, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, me and Nathan, we're, we're, we're kind of in the same profession. We're both just exploring interesting people uh, through an honest lens. Um, my, my, the only difference here is my, my documentary contained no manipulation and um, 
Really? In the eyes no of manipulation the general public, whatsoever. It contained, it can, <laughs> None. It can, in the eyes of the general public, it contained nothing because it will never come out because it's a, you know, it's, it's a lost film. That's insane. <laughs> because oh my, my film professor doesn't have a copy of it and neither does anyone else who made it with me. Who submitted wow. it at the end of the class? Who submitted it? Yeah. Uh, this kid named Carrie kid i should say um this man named harry <laughs> and he doesn't who, have a copy of it no so he made it this work gets good he edited all of the video on a computer that he was borrowing from the high school that he worked at and then he lost his job and lost all the footage incredible wow. incredible i saw this I saw it. I saw the screen. I, n- I never oh, yeah, saw Brandon, it. Brandon, you went to the screening of it that I didn't even go to. Yeah, I did. I never saw it, so I don't know. Was it good, Brandon? <laughs> it, was, it was very good. <laughs> was it good? It was I incredible. saw it once. I saw it once. I wish incredible. I could remember it. Yeah. It's the highlight of my career. <laughs> I'm, I'm Bill Heath. Essentially. Yeah, that's true. Oh, this is bad. Oh. <laughs> um. Searching for Sarah. Good lord, she's <laughs> upstairs. It's done. It's gonna be a short one. <laughs> um, Any uh, anything else that you guys want to say about this? I'm gonna check my notes. Fire. Oh, I got one thing I want to say. Let me check okay. my notes. Chase, um, go ahead. So when they're at Bill's niece's house, I think it was. They look at the pictures. Bill was hot, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He looks like Brando. Yeah, yeah Marlon was, Brando. Yeah, Bill, like, literally looked like a, a star. He um, was hot. How He fucked up, man. He should have been famous. Um, that, and I also very much like the opening scene with the string quartet in the car that was in. It might have been the exact same footage, but they used it at the end with when they were going to Michigan to meet France, to find mm-hmm. Francis. And then... Uh, Another thing that I thought was good, and it really kind of plays into the whole overall theme of it, is when Nathan says to to uh, Bill, "Can you figure out you?" And then Bill sits there in silence for a second, and then he says, "Sometimes I wonder." And it's like, man, that that ill interaction really kind of says a lot about this. If he had to sum up his whole movie in two sentences, it would have been that. But uh, that's all that yeah. really. Yeah, that's real shit, and that. Those are the last comments I have. That's yeah. That's the only other part I can think of when he says, "Can you figure out you?" And Bill kind of like sits there. And Bill is what seventy four. I think he's seventy eight. Seventy eight. It's, it's just it's, it's just so bizarre how much growth, like, uh, uh, you know, like emotional growth, like a person can have, like at that, uh, at that age. It's bizarre. Not bizarre. It's actually. It's nice. It's nice to know that it can happen. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say other than it's just a, it's a, it's just, it's it's profound on every level. And uh, I got nothing else. How about you, Byron? All I have to say is that uh, if you haven't seen Finding Francis, you should still watch it. Um, if you haven't seen Nathan for you, you should watch a few episodes. 
and then watch Finding Francis or watch all of it and then watch Finding Francis. But I, I do think this does work as a standalone piece. Um, and it's, it's definitely worth your time. If you are interested in documentaries, um, but you don't want to watch, you know, I don't know, Planet Earth, check this out. I agree. I, I've recommended this, not only this film, but this show as a whole to so many people. And I do agree. Finding Francis does very much. I mean, if it didn't work as a standalone film, we wouldn't be talking about it. It wouldn't fit our repertoire. So, yeah, I think that that so we, we only talk about enough. film and cinema here. Yeah. No Garfield uh, holiday movies or anything no. like that. No, no. Good. We never did that. I'd cancel our show if you did. Yeah, so. what is this? The Garcast? No. No. No, no. Losing cats? No. Lasagna track? No. <laughs> there we go. These are all wrong. All right. Well, that's it for episode 17, everybody. Leave us a rate and review on iTunes, and I will read it on the show. No matter what you say, you can be as mean as you want to us, and I'll read it. So I can't wait <laughs> to get on iTunes and write some stuff. <laughs> Do it. We need some rates and reviews. <laughs> All right, everybody. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.